Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. I want to frame my homily this morning around two quotes. So the first quote is from St. Augustine, lived in the 4th century. And he said this, he said, God who created you without your help will not redeem you without your help. So we weren't consulted, do you want to live? He gave you life. But he won't just simply redeem you and make you holy. He's going to ask for you and for my cooperation along the way, giving our yes. That kind of gives a backdrop to what we see here is This parable today by Jesus, it's a parable about the last judgment, which we say in the creed every week. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. But what we see here is one of the things he's going to look for in your life and mine. Well, he's going to say, I gave you all sorts of grace through the sacraments of the church, the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit. I gave you gifts. I gave you opportunities. I provided circumstances for you to grow in holiness and make the world around you beautiful and meaningful and holy. What did you do with all of it? How'd you do? Show me what you did. With that difficult person, did you learn to become patient, prayerful, forgiving, understanding, compassionate? With these people that you enjoyed, did you let them see how much you rejoiced in them and they were gifts? Did you sacrifice some of your hard-earned money to those who couldn't get out of poverty? Did you help visit people who were lonely and shut-ins? Did you worship me and spend time with me to get to know me and who I want you to be so you could become my unrepeatable image? He wants to know what we did with it. He's not going to redeem us or make us holy against our will. We are free. We have some say in the process. And he's going to ask what we did with it. So that's kind of the objective meaning of this passage. But then there's a second line in here that really struck me this week. And perhaps this is our second quote then, which is a Latin phrase from the tradition called ora et labora. Ora et labora, meaning work and pray. And these two words, work and prayer, kind of encompass the life of a disciple. And, of course, prayer, we probably all need to be more generous in our time with prayer, to get better at prayer, to learn how to hear his voice in prayer, to learn why we pray, learning to pray with scripture, rosaries, chaplet of divine mercy, adoration. We probably need to learn all sorts of things about prayer, and that needs to increase. After all, Jesus spent long hours in prayer to show us that if he needed it, and he's the only begotten son of God, we certainly are going to need more time learning the uncomfortableness of silence and yet growing. But the word we don't often spend much time talking about is the work portion. Ora et labora, work and prayer. This was on my mind because the line that stood out to me in the scriptures this week was these servants, the first two, do a really good job, right? And they hear the master say to them, well done, my good and faithful servant. You are faithful in small matters. I will give you great responsibilities. That struck me as really strange because we think, well done, you worked really hard, take a day off. 
good job. You worked hard for 30, 40 years. You now get to retire. Our notion of work is if we do it really well, then we don't have to do it anymore. And yet the master says, you did this really well. I'm now going to give you even greater responsibilities. And then he says, and you're going to share your master's joy. I think there's some part of me that was like, now wait a minute. <laughs> if I did a really good job and I worked, shouldn't there be like some sort of, I don't know, maybe a little beach vacation or something built into this thing? But that's not the image that Jesus operates out of because that part of my heart, and maybe yours as well, our understanding of work and Jesus's are very different. Younger generation of Catholics, who I tend to work with quite a bit, young adults and things, they love saints. And they're amazing Catholics, young adults. You find a young adult in their early 20s who likes being Catholic, and they are all in. They are passionate about it because they know the culture and their peers are so against it that if they're going to embrace it, they're going to have to go all in on this. And they love the saints and the contemplative life, liturgy and the spiritual life and mystics. But oftentimes when you talk about the long hours of work with thankless attention, that part doesn't get them that excited. And it's not simply a millennial thing. Right? It's because all of us in our notion of work is very strange. We spend decades doing it only to then, hopefully I can retire and not have to do it anymore. And young people, of course, have seen older generations working so much and then they retire and then what do people in their retirement say? I'm busier now than ever. And they're like, well, what's happening? Why are we spending all this time if we're just going to always be busy? Once again, what is the meaning of work? What is the purpose of it? See, for God, he entrusts work to you and me. He sees that work, whether it's a job, taking care of grandkids, schoolwork, helping around at a parish or, serve, or volunteering somewhere in service, all of these things are built in with meaning. They have the capacity to make us into the kind of men and women that are sacrificial, attentive, hardworking, taking responsibility for things and pouring our life into it. Jobs and work and responsibilities teach us that, boy, we don't always have what it takes and we need others to teach us and show us and form us. My very first job, I've told you this before, when, we were, when I was about 12 or 13, we filed bankruptcy. So my mom got two jobs, my dad got two jobs. About the age of 13, I got my first job ever and I've worked every day since then. And it was at the Hudson Farmer's Market. My uh, boss at the time was one of the meanest men I've ever met in my life. And I worked about six days a week. It was one of the, you know, it was the days of the giants. I walked uphill both ways. It snowed in July. It was one of those type of jobs. And my job wasn't too hard. I wasn't doing brain surgery. I was putting out potatoes and tomatoes and apples and things like this. But I remember the interior joy of a good day's work that came from knowing I did that. Every October, we'd have like 20 different kinds of apples shipped to the Hudson Farmer's Market because it was Ohio and all these different apples. And I was in charge of the apple display. And I was, you know, 14 years old, you know, moving these big things of apples crates and I had to line them up and all these things. And I remember when I was done, 
to see the different colors of apples and the mounds across this one wall, I remember like, that's kind of beautiful. And I remember, I did that. I brought beauty into this workplace. Through hard work, I made this world and my little corner of it more beautiful, more inviting. People would come in and I'd love hearing them say, wow, look at all those apples. I was like, yeah, I know, I did that. Work has a capacity to invite us to make the world around us meaningful and beautiful. Whether, like, like I said, whether it's like a grandparent making a grandkid feel special, making them their favorite meals, laughing with them, or sitting down with them and teaching them, or it's simply schoolwork and you're learning, okay, my flashcards, two plus two equals four, or the states and their capitals. It seems like, oh my gosh. But when we realize all of this is forming us, if we take responsibility of it, then nothing is accidental. We start living in the biblical worldview, which is that all things flow from God and lead to God, which means nothing is by mistake. Nothing is meaningless in your life and mine. But we get a say over this. This is why he says you'll be given great responsibilities. The word responsible in Latin means to espouse that I will take something to myself and be in charge of it. I will care for it. And as I said earlier, there's all sorts of ways that we grow ourselves and help the world around us. Jesus is asking you and I this Sunday through the scriptures is, what in your life have you been trying to just get done so that you can then get to the day off? Work Monday through Friday so you could be a weekend warrior and have a blast. Or I can't wait to get to retirement, then you're busier than ever doing I don't know what. Maybe the goal isn't to not work. Maybe what needs to change is not less work or more work, but our attitude and beliefs around work. That it isn't simply for a paycheck. Work has a way of awakening us to the dignity and power we were created with to bless this world. Everything Jesus takes into himself becomes holy. He put on a human body and became one of us. He worked long hours with human hands. He thought with the human mind. He spoke with the human voice. He loved with the human heart. Thereby showing us our humanity is taken up to the very life of God and a part of his salvific mission. Whether it's a fancy job or a simple job, or not even a job, just creating Thanksgiving dinner. By taking responsibility for what's entrusted to us, you and I grow in becoming more like Christ and have an opportunity to make the world around us a more human, a more beautiful, and therefore a more Christian world. Amen.